0: We talked the last few weeks we've been talking about do you guys remember?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who said it? Kingdom? Kingdom. <laughs> y'all funny. Y'all wild. Every single Sunday. I'm gonna say that every Sunday, and y'all are always gonna respond to the same thing. We talked about the kingdom, we 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 kinda went through what we call the meta narrative or the big picture. We um, we pretty much went from Genesis all the way through <laughs> into the New Covenant, um, basically talking about kingdoms and what they look like. Um, I don't want to review too much, but just to kind of catch anybody up that wasn't here, the, the uh, kingdom of earth or the kingdoms that we create that are shakable here, and then the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, which is here. I drew two imaginary circles. I should have used the hula hoops. That would have been perfect. And in the garden, they were perfectly overlapped. That's why we were God and, and we were good. And then we broke that and we were not good anymore. <laughs> and then... Uh, what we saw in the Old Covenant were, were, was the what we would call a type and shadow uh, of what was to come, and it was where God and man could be good again, and it was where we entered into this temple, and you had to be a certain lineage, you had to you had to have, have a certain sacrifice, you had to get into this room, into the Holy of Holies, just to be in the presence of God, right? It was a very complicated and difficult process, but it was the process that worked for that time. Well, in that season, there was a cyclical uh, thing, especially for, the, well, specifically for the people of God, uh, for the Israelites, they had where uh, God was, I always say happy at them because I got that from Mark, but God was pleased with them. uh, Then they would mess up, and then he would be not pleased with them. He'd be angry, and his wrath would be poured out, and then they would repent, be pleased with them again. So there's a cycle of the Old Covenant. Follow? We've got the cycle of the Old Covenant. Well, all of this revolved around a kingdom and a king, and that terminology was used a lot all the way through the Old Testament, all the way into the New Testament. What we talked about last week, we don't talk about kings and kingdoms very often. I don't know if you do. I don't normally say that in uh, day-to-day life don't talk about kings and kingdoms but in that day they really did when when Jesus came and he said and the verse we kind of hung out was uh, Matthew four twenty three. 23 so Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom when people heard that they recognized that term kingdom they were waiting for this kingdom we we learned from Isaiah that beautiful to the feet of this guy that brings his good news of God coming back and rescuing his oppressed people the same way he did with Moses and exile and Pharaoh remember we talked about all that and so they are looking for a Savior. Pretty, pretty safe to say they're looking for a Savior. But they're looking for a Savior to save them from something much less than what he actually came to save them from. So they're looking for a, for a Savior to come and make the Jews, make God's people the kind of geopolitical leaders again, and they want to take out Rome and everything. But their, their eyesight was short, right? They were looking to be rescued like they had always been, that cycle. Remember, boom, 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 boom. But when Jesus came, he came once for all. He didn't just come just come for the Israelites. So he came first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. He really came for all nations, which was his heart from the beginning, anyway. So his his God's character, God's uh, plan, if you will, was to take a group of people, separate them, and they would be His people, and He would be their King, right? And they would be His people. That was God's plan, and it's still His plan to this day, to separate people to 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 live under His kingdom with His rule and reign, and to be His ambassadors on earth. That's who we are today, right? So what we see, what we, we kind of fast forward, what Jesus is doing and what he does through, uh, I think it's 7 through 8, and then I think uh, or maybe it's 4 through 7, and I've got to run down in here. He talks about, he teaches through this kingdom, and then after that he demonstrates it. So we're going we're to gonna kind of try to break those up because I, there's no way that I can get done with them all in one day, or all in one sermon, or all probably three or four. So we're going to focus on the teaching part, and then we'll get to the demonstration part, which comes with all the healing and everything that we talk about after that. So we'll talk about the teaching part now. So something that, that we talked about last week and we discovered is when he says, repent, metanoia, he's saying, stop the way you think and think a new way. What he's telling people is, stop the way you think about kingdoms, there's going to be a new kingdom coming, and it's going to look different than anything you've ever seen, is essentially what he's saying. When he says, repent, what does he say after that? the kingdom of God is here. Repent, the kingdom of God is here. He says it over and over and over again. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. He says this because they need to see that this kingdom doesn't look like the kingdoms that they've seen in the past. That We can see it, we're kind of retroactive, we can look at it and see that, but they couldn't see that. All they knew was kingdoms of the old. All they knew was that, and it was, it was a big deal. Uh, Carol actually mentioned something, I think it was you, Carol, that mentioned last week about uh, when Jesus was calling them, that they had must have flunked out of, do of, uh, you remember? Yeah. yeah they, um, the ambition of every kid, every boy in Israel was to be a rabbi. And by tradition, they were taught orally the entire first five books of the, of the um, Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Answering the questions that was part of the rabbi training, and then, um, and Jesus, of course, was a rabbi. And so, all of the guys that he called had at some time flunked one of those levels. <laughs> right. Went out to be fishermen, which, by the way, is an unclean. Commercial. Right, it would have been less, right? It would have been less I'm sorry, than. I'm talking too much. Um, Tell them you're in church teaching people. Right. Rabbi, mm-hmm. And
2: walk around with
0: the rabbi's dust on me, which was really holy. Yeah. And they were immediately I mean there was no question. That's them they weren't really crazy. Right. <laughs> second opportunity yeah. and but they it, didn't have to pass another test. Right, and it fall and it falls right in line with this kingdom teaching that Jesus goes after the poor. Not just monetarily poor but the poor in spirit, or the ones that are left out, the marginalized or the hurt or the or the pushed aside. Same thing when we get into, and I'm I'm always skipping ahead because it's so fun to skip ahead. But even when he gets to the healing, he did the same thing with healing with people that were, were pushed aside and said, "You don't come near anyone because you're sick and you're messed up and you're you're contagious." And when his kingdom came, his kingdom was more contagious than the sickness was. I'm getting ahead of myself. Back up. All right. <laughs> What's cool about the kingdom is it it does things. It's active. It's not what what mess what messed me up early on that took years to fix, we talked about repainting pictures, I've had to repaint this picture, was thinking that heaven was far away. There was always this idea that heaven was far away and you had to die to get there. Now, do you see heaven in its fullness when you die? Yes. It's an awesome byproduct of this kingdom. <laughs> Many more other awesome byproducts of this kingdom happen right now. That's what I missed. That's what that's what hurt me when I was trying to learn the Bible because I didn't know these things in the culture. I didn't understand all these things. All I knew was I was taught that when I when I get saved, I get a ticket to go to heaven. That's really all I knew. At that point early on. And then, then then religion and law and everything just got poured on top of it, which confused me even more. So once once yeah, you guys know. So once once you get to this place and understand that when Jesus came, his kingdom came with him. Not only that, he continually tells us that you're not going to understand, but later on you're going to understand. He even told Peter that look, you don't get it. Peter's like, hey, where are you going? We want to go there. And he's like, Where I'm going, you can't go. Well, show us the way. Well, I am the way. <laughs> he's like, well, we don't know the way. Where is this way? And he says, I am the way. They're like, I don't understand what you're saying. And what he was saying was, this kingdom changes everything. Yes. Everything. And so what what I talked about last week a little bit, too, was when I'm bivocational, most of you know, I've sold paint equipment and for, oh, man, it's been over 20 years now, probably 25 years, I've, I've sold paint and paint equipment, now I just sell equipment and systems. I, I'm trying not to bore you too much, but I'm going to teach you a little bit about paint systems to help prove my point. With paint systems, we've got... Three main systems. Uh, uh, let's see if I can remember. Uh, conventional, air assisted, airless, and airless. So there's conventional, and airless, and then in the middle is a mix of the two. So conventional is low pressure, which you'd see with a little cup gun that you paint things with. It's low pressure, 100 psi or less, and you spray things. The air hits the paint and atomizes it as it atomizes it, so it breaks into little particles so that it can go on something and stick. Makes sense. That's conventional, low pressure under 100 psi. Uh, Airless is high pressure, like a pressure washer. It's 3,000 psi or more. So it doesn't use any air at all, what the name suggests, airless, uses no air. So what it uses is pressure to hit a nozzle, and that pressure hitting that nozzle atomizes the paint and breaks into small particles to stick to something, make sense? Catch catch me so far? You guys are gonna learn something today. Um, In the middle is air-assisted airless. It's lower pressure, it's about 1,000 psi, but it adds a little bit of air to break up the paint at the end. So it's a combination of the two. From, from, uh, from this way to this way, you get a better finish here and faster production here. So if you wanna paint something and have the best finish, you go with conventional. If you wanna paint something and get paint on it so it doesn't rust and move fast, use airless. And if you wanna do both, <laughs> or the best of both worlds, use air-assisted airless, make sense? What I do a lot in my business is I convert some people from conventional to air-assisted airless and some people from conventional to airless for production purposes, to go faster. You know it's hard for humans? To change. I don't know if you know this, but most of my job is explaining over and over and over and over again that you don't add air to an air-assisted air list to break the paint up. You add paint pressure because it's hitting that nozzle and breaking the paint up. The air is just to add a little bit at the end to break it up just a little bit. What I find every day, all the time when I transition people from one to the other is they don't want to go faster. It's more work, which is why we automate a lot now with robotics and stuff like that. But people don't want to move faster because it's more work. That's one big hurdle I've got to get over. The other one is they want to add air to break the paint up because that's all they know. I need a good finish, and I need to add air to break this paint up. That's all I know. And what they do is they end up adding too much air, and it messes everything up because it doesn't need air. It needs fluid pressure. That's most of my job in a nutshell. That's what I do (laughs) almost every day. Now, there's a lot more to it. We design systems, and we do all this other cool stuff, and we meet in boring meetings with engineers. and It's crazy. Anyway. But for the main part, I just over-explain everything over and over again to transition people to make for for the owners of these companies to have a more efficient working system. Right? That's kind of what we're looking at here. I've always done it this way. I, I need to add more air. I need to add more air. I need to add more air. Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. I know kingdoms. I know how kingdoms work. And Jesus is constantly saying, no, you don't. Repent. Stop. This is not what it looks like. You've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, but I say. It's what he's doing. Jesus, I'm, I'm of the paint industry of what Jesus was of the, <laughs> of the Torah of Pentateuch. Okay, I'm going to tell you again, and then I'm going to tell you again. He actually does this in Matthew. He says in the very beginning, he says he went throughout Galilee, teaching the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness from other people. And if you go to the very end, and if you want to do your own study, he says that exact same thing at the end. I mean, almost word for word. He's just he, I was going through and just teaching them and then demonstrating. I just teach and then I demonstrate. I teach and then demonstrate. It's a very simple system. And so what Jesus is doing is constantly reminding people of what his kingdom looks like, and it doesn't look like a kingdom. I know I'm saying this over and over again. It's part of my job. Um, So we're going to get into Matthew 5. And, man, it's going to be scripture-heavy, so we'll see how it goes. Um, That's not a bad thing, but uh, it's going to be a lot. and, And I hope that, if you will, put your kingdom lenses on when we read this. Like, imagine who he's talking to and what they know about kingdoms and what he's trying to explain to them. So we have to kind of put our kingdom lenses on to see. Jesus is, is not just teaching little lessons, okay? Uh, something else that kind of messed me up is I would, I would have people, and there's nothing wrong with expository teaching, meaning you pull a lot out of, of smaller scriptures. You kind of just open up and, and expose a lot of things in the scriptures. There's a lot of good stuff in that. But what, what you can get lost in sometimes is the bigger picture, right? Because you get so caught up in the little things that you say, We're going to start in Matthew 5. We're going to talk about the Beatitudes. Most of you have heard the Beatitudes, right? It's a pretty straightforward teaching. But we have to look at it in the context of everything that's going on. What does he just said in Matthew 4? Kingdom, 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 kingdom. Repent, the kingdom's here. Repent, the kingdom's here. So now, on the tail end of that, we go into Matthew 5. (coughs) And if you want to do a study on your own, Matthew 5 through 7 is the teaching of the kingdom, and Matthew 8 through 9 is the demonstration of the kingdom. So if you want to jot that down and, and look at it on your own, that's kind of a breakup of how they are, and it's kind of how we're going to go through them in the next who knows how long. All right. Matthew 5 says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, which, by the way, is not weak. We transliterated that somehow into weakness. It's not. Meek is actually power under control. Sidebar. Jesus was meek. He had plenty of power, but he had control of it, right? Anyway, that was free. Sidebar. Blessed are the meek. For for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But If salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on, on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, for, for that they may see your good deeds and glorify your, your Father in heaven." Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the, pro- or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. That's an important phrase there. Remember that. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commandments, remember this too, uh, and teaches others accordingly will, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, and, but whoever practices teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Stop here. That's a lot to take in. Specifically that last part. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Stop. How? Think about who he's talking to. How, how is our righteousness going to be greater than that of the Pharisees? They knew the most, like we were just talking about. They were the best. They were the best of the best. But you see the contrast here. Who is he elevating? Those who mourn, those who are in poor in spirit, those who are being persecuted. Do you see what he's doing? My kingdom's different. My kingdom's different. My kingdom's different. My kingdom doesn't work like your kingdom. Do you remember they would say, why are you crippled? What did your father do? He must have sinned. He said, my kingdom doesn't work like that. You have a new lineage. I'm not coming to make you well-behaved orphans. I'm coming to make you sons. I'm coming to make you daughters. My kingdom looks different. The the, the Sermon on the Mount is not this thing that we have to live up to, and we see that even with with the name Sermon on the Mount, like we've got to live up to this. Well, then I need to mourn, I guess, right? (laughs) That's not what he's saying. He's basically saying, look at this guy over here who's mourning. He gets to see the kingdom. Look Look at this person over here who is poor in spirit. They get to get into the kingdom. This, this upside-down kingdom, not just the Pharisees, not just the Sadducees, not just the best of the best or the smartest of the, of the smart. You guys, fishermen, you get to be a part of this kingdom. And they say, how do we get there? <laughs> and he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Where I go, you can't go. Well, how, do, well, how are we going to know? You'll know. <laughs> he essentially says that. You'll know. When the Spirit comes, you'll know. There'll be No doubt. Jesus is is setting us up. He's building a case against us. Go on to verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, and you'll see this phrase, you've heard it said, but I tell you over and over and over again. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Who's guilty of that? Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister Raka, Raka just means empty or like empty-headed or dumb. I just like saying Raka, Is answerable to the court, and anyone who says to you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, does this literally mean if you say you fool, you'll be in danger of the fire of hell? I hope not, because I just said it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what he's saying. It's the same reason why if you wear a cross around your necklace, is not going to pr- or a necklace with a cross on it is not going to protect you from anything. That's just jewelry. Don't, don't look at these things individually as though he's giving you instructions he's not. I mean, if you want to wear a cross, that's fine. I'm just saying, don't put your faith in it. It's just jewelry. What, he, what he's saying is here is, you've heard it said. You've got this law that you've got to keep, that you can't keep. I'm going to take it a step further and let you know that it's not the, the law is not the problem. The law is good and just. You're the problem. I mean, seriously, he's setting us up. He is 100% setting us up. And I can imagine them going, What? <laughs> did, did he just did, do what? Yeah, I thought you said this was good news. He just said, if, if, if we get angry, we're in danger of hell. Did you hear this, this guy? Yeah. They literally said, This teaching is hard. <laughs> this is hard teaching. Therefore, he. He goes on and teach us some more. We'll, we're going to skip some just for the sake of time because we're, we're already over adultery. Verse 27, you've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I don't think this is our Messiah. <laughs> I don't like this news. This is hard, right? How? This is impossible. Like, does that mean that it's okay to do these things? No. He's, he's getting to the heart of the, literally to the heart of the issue. He, what we talked about last week, too, is when he addresses things, he addresses things, he doesn't really beat around the bush. He goes straight to the point. He's saying, listen, the problem isn't the law and your inability to keep it. The problem is you have a heart issue and you need it to be fixed. You can't fix it. But I tell you, anyone that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Amen. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. Which is true. It is. But it's hard. This, this is hard teaching. But listen, he's not teaching individual lessons here. He's, he's getting to a point. Hear what he's saying. Don't get caught up on the details. He is he's kind of punching us in the gut with the truth, right? Divorce, verse 31, has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give a certificate of divorce. That's a lawful thing, right? He's, he's comparing law and grace, too, in the, in the process kind of in the, within this kingdom message. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it said to the people long ago, do not break your oath but to fulfill the, the Lord's vows that you have made, but I tell you don't swear on an oath at all, either by heaven or by God's throne or by earth, for it, is, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, and do not swear by your head, you cannot make even one, one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them your other cheek also. Awesome. This is fun, right? This is good stuff. <laughs> Where do I sign up? And he goes on, love your enemies. <laughs> what? What? You've heard it. You've heard that it said, love your enemy and hate your neighbor, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. that You may be children of your Father in heaven. Man. And he ends this with, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. <sighs> Thanks, Jesus, for this incredibly encouraging message. <laughs> I can check off maybe one of those things, right? Here's my beef with those that really try to push law over grace anybody that tries to, to push a law system over what, what God's grace has done through Jesus and faith in him says that they can keep all of these laws, 100%. They don't say that, really. They, they actually make their own version of it and then, and then try to place that on you that they can't even keep. It's literally what Jesus said to the Pharisees. You place burdens on people's back that you yourself can't even carry. That's what religion does. That's what that's what uh, a religious spirit does. And it is, it is, in and of itself, anti-Christ. It's against Christ. When we say, you have to live up to these things, you are saying that Christ didn't already die for them. You are saying that his sacrifice was not enough, is essentially what we're saying. It, it's like, uh, I heard, I'm heard i quoting a guy, I can't remember his name, uh, but he said, when, when we do that, we're essentially saying that Jesus' sacrifice was good, but not good enough. It was good, but not necessary. Not, not must not have been necessary. I probably butchered that quote. I'll find it somewhere and repost it. But anyway, uh, not essential, that's what he said. It was good, but not essential. In other words, when we, when we look at this kingdom <laughs> that's not far away, that is, is literally says is in our midst, is inside of us when the Holy Spirit comes, when we look at this kingdom... It should change our perspective on everything else that we see. It's literally like putting on kingdom lenses. You've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, but I say. And what he says is, you don't, have a, you don't have a behavioral issue. You have a heart issue, and you can't fix your own heart. But I came to give you a new heart. He says he takes away our heart of stone, which is a good reference to rules on rocks, which are the Ten Commandments. And he gives us, he writes his laws on our hearts. He goes on to talk about giving to the needy, and then he prays, and he talks about his kingdom coming and his will being done. <coughs> At the very end of it, after him praying and teaching us how to pray, and once again, that's not the our father prayer is not to repeat over and over and over again. There's nothing wrong with it, but he's just giving an example of how to pray when he says our Father, which is a pretty radical statement even back then to call God Father and Our Father together collectively. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Any pray, any prayer that you pray is essentially that prayer, saying you want his kingdom to come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You, we can make our requests, but essentially all, all we're doing when we pray is aligning our lives up with, with what God's kingdom says. The The problem I used to have with submitting was anytime I would submit It was usually out of fear or obligation, and it was usually uh, at the hands of someone that was trying to manipulate me. Submitting to a good God is different. I submit to my Father in heaven. Why? Because His way is better than my way. When we pray, we're aligning everything up that we're doing on earth as it is in heaven. That's, That's kingdom. When you pray for someone, you're aligning what's going on in their physical body up with what's going on in heaven. When we see physical healings, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing... God's heaven come to earth and heal that person. It's when we see a a relationship restored. I mean, when we see someone get born again, what you're seeing is heaven on earth. That's what you're seeing. If we have our kingdom lenses on, those opportunities are all around us all the time. Not just on Sundays or Wednesdays or any time like that, but out in the world where it needs to be. That's what kingdom lenses do. When When we have unrealistic expectations of others, we really place those on ourselves. And he ends this uh, by saying, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Now, is he saying that you have to forgive people in order to be forgiven? Not really. What he's saying is it's all in the same. If you love God, you will love people. If God forgives you, you will forgive others. It is a um, when we talk about this unshakable kingdom, it's not based on how we feel day to day, right? This unshakable kingdom isn't well. I feel like I should do this, or I think this is a good idea, or I learned how to do this. When the when the kingdom comes, the king's will is done, and it's solid. It's it's a foundation. It's something that we stand on. It's not something that we're wishy-washy about. So when we, when we proclaim the good news, what happens is we recognize even more and more of what we're forgiven for. The reverse is, is the same. When we begin to judge people, we recognize how much we should be judged. We should. I love how John 13, 34 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. This is the agape love that we talk about being unconditional and not based on what someone can do for us, but what we want to do for them. It's the love that God gives us to share with others. It says, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Disciple there is a disciplined follower of Jesus. How will people know that you're a disciplined follower of Jesus? Because you keep all the rules, because you do certain things, because you dress a certain way? No. It says right here three times, if you love one another. That's a hallmark of the believer. That's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is how we love. The glue that holds all this together. I love so, Simon Peter says, Lord, where are you going? He where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. I don't know what you believe about eschatology and revelation end times, but I'm telling you, the greatest thing to ever happen happened some 2,000 years ago. The greatest thing we'll ever understand or witness already happened. He's, he's given us the greatest gift already. Now, I don't know if you're pre-trib or post-trib or no-trib or whatever you are. All I know is, Nothing is going to eclipse what's already happened in Jesus. It's the greatest thing to happen to humans on earth ever, and it's the greatest thing that will ever happen. We've, given, we've been given authority to walk around this earth as ambassadors, to, to rule and reign on his behalf. We, what we discovered as we've gone through this is rule and reign doesn't mean stand up with a big sword and impose your authority on people by force. It means we serve and we love others. That's what this upside-down kingdom looks like. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are struggling. Blessed are those who need help. Not just the high and lofty. John 14.1 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. That mansion we talk about. That were not so what I have, what I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. This is the kingdom that he's talking about. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Now, this isn't talking about end times. This is talking about when he comes back to to bring his kingdom to to the reality that we have in the Holy Spirit in our lives right now. It says, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, (laughs) so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, this is a key phrase there, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. You're not listening to what I just said. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will will love them, and we will come to them and make our home. That mansion, that term again in the Greek, we will make our home with them. So he's talking about preparing that place. This is the, he prepares a place, and then right here he says, anyone that loves me will obey my teachings. Uh, My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace, I with you. peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. <laughs> I can't even teach on that. He says it all. <laughs> like there's a, I could expound, but there it is. He says, you don't get it. You're going to get it. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. From now on, you're going to understand what this means. You should be glad that I'm going to the Father. Why? Because now I'm not going to be in one geographical location at a time. It's not just going to be Jesus in the flesh. It's going to be the Holy Spirit in all these people. It's better that I leave because then if I leave, then the Holy Spirit can come and be with you. What an incredible gift we have. Merry Christmas. We, do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, we get to have this spirit. Yes. We get to, not just, a, I don't know if my microphone's acting weird, but it's just loud. Um, we don't, you don't have to wait to experience heaven when you die, you get to experience it. seems radical to think, but when you when you see how Jesus describes this kingdom, it's not really that radical at all. It's just recognizing the needy and those that, that those that need him around us. And for us to explain the same thing. The cool thing is we don't just get to explain it, we get to demonstrate it as well. And I can't wait to get to that part too. But we're gonna get to it. So for now we're gonna we're gonna hang out on the teaching part for a little bit and then we're gonna get to the demonstration part, which is really fun. And then we may just demonstrate it ourselves and not teach one Sunday. It'll just be a fun Fun prayer Sunday. All right. Any questions or anything to add or anything or to discuss? John 14, 23. It was just right below it. I skipped down a little bit from 9. John fourteen twenty three. Sorry. There's a lot of good stuff in between there, too. I just, we run out of time.
2: I just wanted to, you know, the world tells us, the, and the religious tell us, the world is getting worse and worse and darker and darker, and it's horrible. But the kingdom of God is getting brighter and brighter, and the influence of Jesus in our world. Yeah. The, I was reminded, um, when Jesus rose from the dead, only 10% of the people in the world could read. 90% of the people in the world can read some language now. Yeah. That's phenomenal. The notion that everybody needs, just the fact that we consider them everybody. The kingdom into which Jesus was born, the kingdom the Pharisees were used to, had lots of different levels of class. And all of them below like level one, which was the rulers and the Pharisees and the leaders, we're treated like dirt. I mean they just the, what we see it, 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 it would horrify us. That was common life back then. Um, they, they all I mean the slave class especially, uh, So don't let the world don't let the religious tell you the world is getting darker and darker. Nobody would like to be a slave in 1500. right. The world has outlawed slavery and we're furious at one country for sure that still practices slavery. Yeah. But it is abnormal because of the kingdom of God and the sacrifice of Jesus. Yeah. And it's amazing that that change has happened. If you, if you read a history book and just find out how humanity was treated by other humanity and that was acceptable. That crucifixion was an acceptable execution. Yeah. Even that. Uh, anyway, I should go on. But <laughs> just know that the the kingdom of God and the love of Jesus has filled this world with a marvelous light.
0: Yeah. And and we get to carry it, it just like it said. Yes. We're a light on a hilltop. Amen. It's. <clears throat> what, what. What. I. One of the things that kind of, one of my pet peeves, I guess, when people talk about they take they can take, or they're trying to take prayer out of schools, you cannot take prayer out of schools. It's absolutely impossible. Now, you they may regulate how they do it, or the teachers can't say it out loud, but you, you have a handful of kids with the Holy Spirit in there, you've got prayer in school. And if, if we teach the kids, if we, we help them understand who they are in their environment, that is what changes. That's what changes the, the culture that's around us, not... Just legislation and different things like that, and I, that's above my understanding, but I'm telling you the same way Jesus taught from the ground up is the same way I think we should teach from the ground up you you can't stop you can't stop God from moving i mean you can you can try to, but history if history's proven anything when the Christians are persecuted, we just grow stronger and stronger, <laughs> so I mean either we win either way, so anyway, good point, yes.
1: to take it a step further with that example, you read testimonies from people like Heidi and Roland Baker who are going into these really tiny villages where people had never heard of the Lord. They'd never never read a Bible. They were illiterate. And they come in and they're like, we knew you were coming because we had dreams. Mm -hmm. And they were having dreams of things like the parable. They're like, yeah, we saw this one. There was like a vision of a lot of people going down a really wide path. But then there were some who were choosing really narrow ones. What is this? What does it mean? Or having Mm -hmm. dreams of a man in white. And they're like, well, how convenient. Let me tell you about Jesus. And so it's like even, like, if we're getting really worried about some of the small parts where us, like if they won't, like if we don't have the freedom to talk about things the way that we always have, what are we going to do? We have to also trust that no matter the circumstance that God is way bigger and that he has plans that the principalities and powers of the world
0: mm-hmm.
1: can't stand a chance against. And it's like, all right we do live in, in the unshakable kingdom.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why he co- he talks about co-laboring with us. I think that's why we co-labor because <clears throat> I man, I can't count how many times the Holy Spirit has revealed something to me and then I read it in scripture and I go, that's what he was talking about when he revealed that to me. And and I think that the reason he does it that way, well, I think he does it different for everybody. I don't think he does it the same way for everybody. I think that's why he's a very personal God. He <clears throat> he will speak to you in a different way that he speaks to me and 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 he does that in a way so that we can learn to do that with other people as well. We, you speak a certain way to one person, you speak a certain way to another person. It's not being fake; it's recognizing that this person needs a whisper and this person needs a slap, right or something. Yeah, it mean that other person is deficient? yeah right, right. Yeah. It's it's the, the it doesn't glue- mean that
1: other person is deficient for not hearing or seeing things the way that you do. Correct. That was really hard for me to learn.
0: You know, it's really hard for me, especially with a lot of the de- denominations that we have, is people not allowing other people to operate in their giftings, that people try to force their own giftings on other people. And I think that's where a lot of the denomination divides came on, when instead of having different gifts, gifts strengthening each other, they were like, well, you need to experience it the way that I experience it. And, and I'm just as guilty as I used to do it, probably one of the worst, if there was something. I would, I would try to push my gifting on other people until I realized that's not the way that we do it. It's not the way the kingdom works. Yes? Uh, going along the line of what she just shared, um,
2: there's a political commentator named Dinesh D'Souza who's a, actually a evangelical Christian and he's a very brilliant guy uh, might have even been a political candidate at some point or other but he's a great commentator, very insightful but he said um, Jesus has been appearing in visions and dreams to people all over the Muslim world and Al Jazeera itself is complaining that as many as 6 million Christians a year are having are converting to Christianity. It's very frustrating to them because Jesus himself is appearing. And I can just imagine how frustrated the devil is. It's like, that's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> that's no fair. You can't preach to them yourself. It's like, hello, God?
0: <laughs> yeah. You know,
2: but Je- yeah.
0: Yeah, we won't, we won't let any Bibles come around here. Yeah. So Jesus he like, is well, co dreams. <laughs> he is co-laboring with us.
1: By kingdom, my rules.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, like Jesus walking around like he owns the place. It's like... <laughs> I summon you because I'm a king. It's
2: like, you who died me? and made you king? <laughs> I did. I did.
0: <laughs> I died and made me king. <laughs> That's right.
1: It's <laughs> true. Anybody so, else?
0: Anybody else? Got anything to add? You guys have the Holy Spirit too, so you may be hearing something that I'm not or similar. Anybody? 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 do what
1: when you play cards at Doug's house he forbids prayer it's an unfair advantage <laughs> unless you praying for
0: everybody you got to pray for everyone everyone can't win Doug. we don't all get a trophy <laughs> anyway the, the the good news is all those things that Jesus was building this case against us um basically were we're all forgiven by the cross but not only were all of our sins forgiven they were forgiven for a purpose and they were forgiven so that we could have a restored relationship with the father and the veil was torn from top to bottom it was so that we could have that that experience of this kingdom of heaven crashing into earth all all of all of the things cutting your arm off gouging your eye out you know having a lustful thought all those things were to say it is impossible for you to live up to the expectations that I, you be perfect as i am perfect essentially he was saying you can't you need me to do that. What you need is me. <laughs> and then he said, you need me, and I am the way, and I'm the one. And he said it, in which if he wasn't who he was, would be insane, which I love how C.S. Lewis says, you know, if you say Jesus was a good moral teacher, but he wasn't the son of God, you're, you're, you're saying he was an insane person like that of a man who says he's a poached egg. He's one or the other. You're not a good moral teacher and claim that you're the son of God and can do all these things. Margaret, he was who he said he was, and all, these, all the law that was stacked up against us, it says, and I love how it says not one jot or tittle or whatever, <laughs> not one pin mark is going to go away from this law until this is fulfilled. And what he's saying is you, you are going to be under the law until I fulfill the law, and then you can be under grace. That's what he's saying. He's saying that you, you, there's, a, there's a system, there's a covenant, an old covenant that you're under, but there's another covenant that's coming. There's another kingdom that's coming. And once this kingdom comes, this old one's going to pass away. And there's going to be no other covenant. (laughs) And you have to enter into this one, and it's the only way is what he's saying. And you can't get into this covenant on your own. You need me. That's that's what he was building a case for. Yes. Amen. Amen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think, too, that what's awesome about it is that he doesn't cheapen grace. Right. So he takes it and he shows us the seriousness of sin in that in that um, you know he lays it out for us like it's so serious you're gonna you need to cut your own eyeball out
0: basically. Yeah, or you're gonna sin, go to hell. Right. Good this
1: is a serious thing. Sin is so serious that you can't pay the price for it. It's so you have to be perfect in order to pay the price for
0: Gives it. Give me chills, yeah.
1: Yeah. So he and I think that is important because especially with grace, because so many try to come against it and say, Well, you're just making an excuse. No, Jesus made it so serious that you can't even touch it. Yeah. You know, and that's that makes grace powerful. It doesn't make it cheap. It makes it powerful because he is the only one that
0: can satisfy the requirements of what sin costs. Amen. The law needed a sacrifice. The law required blood. It had to have it, and it had to be perfect. And, man, there's, I could preach a whole other sermon about how perfect. I mean, all the way from all of the, 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 pro, the prophecy from the Old Testament, the types and shadows from Jonah and the whale and the three knights, and, you know, he even had seaweed because it was like a crown of thorns. All the types and shadows of the Old Testament, David and Goliath, all those things were pointing at Jesus, all of them. All of them were pointing at a Savior. Every single one of them were pointing at Jesus. And it was because he was the priest, the last priest, the only one we need, the eternal priest, that could make that sacrifice. No more bulls and goats. No more no more cycle. That's why the when we talk about another thing that, that we get, I say we collectively grace people, I guess, if you want to call us that, whatever gospel you might as well call it, because it is. Anyway, um, what we get attacked is that we, like you said, we you cheapen it. And it's not cheap. It, required the sacrifice of the son of god it, re- it required him to to die so that we could have communion with him again our goal as christians is not to go to heaven when you die shocker that's not the goal for the christian is not to go to heaven when you die you do go there the goal of the christian is restore the relationship with god to other people it's our job we've been given the ministry of what reconciliation your job as a christian is to, to, to grab people by way of the holy spirit and jesus and connect them to god again that's what he wants and he's God, so he should get it. Our, our job is to reconcile people to God. Your job, your mine and yours, is to reconcile people to God because Jesus made a way for that to happen. That's the gospel in a nutshell. This kingdom that we're talking about, that's what the kingdom consists of, is people being right with God again, and the only way is through Jesus. That's so why he says, I am the way. I'm the only way. The whole narrow road thing, it's not that you have to find this, like you like there's only a certain amount of people that can go there. He's just saying he's the only one that can get you there. That's all he's saying. Like, I'm the guy. I'm the one you need. Anyway, I could go on and on about Jesus. All right. Stand up with me. Eternally, right? And, well, the cool thing, you mentioned eternity. By, by definition, when you're born again, you get eternity in your heart right then. Your, your forever starts right then. Not when you die. Your eternity Your eternity, your eternity starts right now. It starts right now. White here, white now. Your Tony Starts. white here, white now. <laughs> That's. But listen, this is this is the treasures that we store in heaven. They're not gold and rubies. That's all we can equate to. That's not what that is. The treasures that you are you are you are manifesting and storing right now that that don't rust and don't have moths are not buildings or things or anything like that. It's it's those relationships that you get to be a part of, and you get to enjoy them now and you get to enjoy them for eternity. Because our bodies aren't going to make it there, right? But guess what does? The other people that we restored to, to God, we get to see them. But not just then, but now. You get to see them now. So your eternity starts now, and you get, like, all of you guys that are born again, you, we're going to see each other in eternity, but we also get to see each other right now. How cool is that? What a treasure, right? So the, the treasure is the relationship itself. I don't know. All right. That's really fun. Father, we just we thank you, Lord, that you you don't give us treasures that moth, and, and rust destroy, you give us treasures that last an eternity. And those treasures are the relationships that we get to be a part of on earth, that we get to restore to you, but we also get to be uh, involved with. Lord, you chose to co-labor with us so that we could be involved in your plan. And thank you, Lord, that you do the heavy lifting. When we're yoked to you, you you do all the heavy lifting. You, make, you literally say that our burden is easy and it's light because of what you've done. Father, thank you that you've done it all. And we don't... <laughs> We don't just serve and love because we owe you something. We serve and love because that's how you created us, because you created us in your image. Lord, thank you for your character that you've given us. It's better than our own. And Lord, we do, we, we, I pray that we recognize it and submit to it daily. Lord, help us to align your kingdom with ours on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.